It is astounding when we think of you, the triune God. We just get a glimpse as we sing these words. We don't have a clue what the Trinity really means, but we look forward to that day when we shall see you, Jesus, face to face. We shall be like you. We shall be transformed. And we shall spend the rest of eternity learning, inquiring, and finding out the depth of your love, God. So in these few moments we have together, as I share some words and some thoughts from your word, be with us, Lord. Thank you that you're with us in praise. You reside in the praise of your people. And just be with us. Send your spirit to be in us and with us in a powerful way so that we can understand more of you, so that we can respond to who you are, what you've done. And we pray this in the precious name of the one you gave for our lives, that name of Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. been a year since I've done this. Uh, every November, as Mike and Melody go away, I try to give Pastor Tim a break. Five weeks in a, well, in a row, he could do it, but it's a break, and uh, I'm always grateful for the opportunity to share the Word of God with you. Anyone know which, what day uh, today is? November 22nd, right? Any significance to that day? So being a history teacher, I know, but it's the day that JFK was assassinated and died, last president who, uh, who died in office. I was 10 years old. That was 57 years ago, so now you can figure out my age. Right? No mystery to that. Dark days after that. 60s were cool in the beginning. All kinds of energy. The youngest president ever to be elected had lots of energy. I was a little Irish Catholic boy in Catholic school, and I remember that day in Miss Ganane's class. I sat in the middle, and I remember the loudspeaker and the voice that the president had been shot. And then later, they said the president had died, and they sent us home. Dark days after that, the 60s and 70s were kind of dreary. Uh, some people think the 60s were wild and woolly and fun, and they were, I guess, but... Every generation kind of has its dark days. Uh, my mother's generation lived through the 30s. Elma, you know all about that. I sit in the back with Elma, usually. Had my mask on last week, actually. So, you know, you come with a mask, it doesn't matter. You come sit in the back, sit in the front. We're here. I'm glad, Tim, that I squeezed this in before the two services, though. I don't know if I'd have the energy to do that. So thank you for that. Yeah, mom, mom, my mom's 90 still alive, lived through the Great Depression, lived through World War II, dark days. But they came out of that, and a strong generation, Tom Brokaw called them the, the, uh, the greatest generation, not sure about that. But. And then some of you were around 9-11. My students that I have in class, they don't remember 9-11, it's all history to them. But 9-11, the cloud of terrorism, and we went through that. And now we have this new enemy, a virus. So, you know, you can say, are you a senior young man? Wow, time flies. He can say, 
I graduated the year of COVID, you know? Yeah, it's history. And then I thought about the assignment I was given, and that's the book of Psalms. And I thought, what better book to have in dark and dreary days? And I'm full of joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So we as Christ followers can have that joy no matter what. Remember Nehemiah? Remember a few months ago, he went into the the city and he saw that and, and he said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so the Psalter is an anchor, an anchor for the soul. I remember when I was a young Christian back in the early 70s, got saved in 1971, and one of the books that I was drawn to was the Psalms, and I would read one a day. And I'll tell you, it's really a blessing to do that. I haven't done that for 49 years of my Christian life, but I've done it for a long while. And then just before this message, I just finished the Psalms. I'm going through from Genesis to Revelation. I can never make it to, you know, it takes me three, four years to make it because I read the New Testament. I'm in my second time now in the midst of all that. I love the New Testament. Anyway, the Psalter, book of praise, a book of prayer. Solo, the word, the root word means to pluck, pluck a string. Remember David playing for Saul? Saul had an evil spirit and he was distraught. And David just played the harp, plucked the string and it soothed Saul. And that's what the root word is all about. In the Hebrew, it's Telahim praises, the book of praises. Uh, there are five different sections of the Psalms. Book one, book two, book three, book four, and book five. And after each book, there's a doxology, just like we just sang. Psalm 72, 18, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone works wonders. Blessed be his glorious name forever, and may the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. And then it says, the prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Half of the Psalms were written by David. Five different books, similar, I guess, to the, the Pentateuch, the Torah. Fifty-four Psalms are quoted in the New Testament, 172 times in New Testament verses. It's the most quoted book in all of the New Testament. The apostles were rich with the Psalms. They knew them. They heard them. They sang them. 68 times that the Psalms are used, not including allusions. That's one-fourth of all uh, Old Testament quotations in the New Testament. What I want to share with you this morning and relate the book of Psalms to are the wonders of God. We sang about that. The wonders of God revealed. That's what the Psalms say to me. You could almost say that about any of the books of the Bible, right? So this is in some ways very bland and blasé. And yet, the wonders of God revealed. The wonders of his words. And notice I say words. The wonder, wonder of his works and the wonder of our worship of him. Psalm 139, verses 17 and 8 say, How precious also are thy thoughts to me, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand, and when I awake, I am still with thee. You and I need to wonder. That's what children do, don't they? Wonder means to be curious, to want to learn something, and I love the wonder in children. 
I was feeling a little down the other day, Wednesday and Thursday, the machinery of education was getting to me, and, uh, and I told my students that, and on Friday, I had a class that I was with last year, and they're AP Gov students, and they, they had a debate, and that debate was so rich, it was, they, they were so prepared, they articulated their position so well, it, it just it brought me back. I had an upsurge of energy. No longer was I feeling bad. And yeah, it was a great way to go out on a Friday. And I said thank you to them. I just about wept before them because I was so full of joy. But they were looking at the wonders of life. Wonder, a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar or inexplicable. And that's what we're going to peer into this morning, the wonder of God revealed. First of all, the wonder of his words. That's where it begins, Psalm 1. How blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. Pastor Tim unpacked that for us two weeks ago. I'm not going to go into it. It's, it's the first scriptures that my children heard because I had memorized it, and it was part of me. Psalm 1 starts with his word. I just want to stress three words Blessed, meditate, and prosper. God's word starts with a promise. You are blessed if you don't take the world's words and make them part of you. I'm just beginning to read a book by Carl Truman, uh, The Making of the New Self. Actually, The Making and Triumph of the New Self. Very apropos, just put out a couple months ago, and he says, you know what the mantra is today? Live your truth, and you do you. Live your truth, whatever it is, whatever you want to make it out to be, whatever you want to make it up to be, and you do you. And God says, no, I want you to be like Jesus. I've now lived 67 years. That's not that very long. My mom's 90, so that's, you know, she says, uh, I'm just getting older. She's old, you know. Now I tell her, you're just getting older, Mom. You're not old. She says, yeah, my body tells me I am. She's ready for heaven, but she's pushing through. Uh, live your life the way you want to know. What I've come to in the last year or two is, Nothing matters except following Jesus. Nothing matters except following Jesus. What you have is going to burn. All that you've accumulated, I've got four degrees, pieces of paper. I can't even find one of them. I don't even care. Who cares? It all goes. All that matters is that I follow Jesus. It's pretty simple, and that's what God's telling us right here. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates. Children, you know how to meditate? It's not easy. You just think about it. Just think about it. 
And you know, in the last couple of years, I preached on Psalm 23. I'm still thinking about it. I go to bed with it. I love that psalm. It just, it's part of my fabric, part of my life. And parts of it are more meaningful than other parts at times. We'll get to, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Meditate. People who are getting older, and that's all relative, meditate. Think about his word. Go to bed with it. Wake up with it. Don't just read it. Spend some time thinking about it. And that's what God is telling us right here. That's Psalm 1. Psalm 2, we have the living word, Jesus Christ. Verse 7, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, thou art my son. Today I have begotten thee. And right away in the Psalms, we have Jesus. You remember Luke 24? Maybe it's verse 44. Jesus is spending time just before he goes to heaven with the disciples. And he says to them, I want to tell you about me. You don't quite understand. You know, in the law, that's the Torah. That's what Psalm 1 talks about. And in the prophets and in the Psalms, there I am. And here he is, Psalm 2. He's all over the Psalms. Psalm 22, right? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah, Jesus quoted that on the cross. That psalm is unbelievable when I think about it. Let me pause for a second and think about this. When I was a young Christian, the resurrection was really important to me. It still is. But as I've gotten older and I think about our culture, think about if you talk to people. Is the resurrection very important to them? They don't even know what the resurrection of Jesus Christ is. I bet you if I asked my 88 students, probably less than half of them would know. Maybe half of them wouldn't even know who Jesus Christ was. And so as I've gone on in, in life, I've thought, what really could convince someone of Christianity? And I'm thinking this book. Uh, reading this book, if I could just get a person to read it for 10 years, just 10 years, you know, just, just read it. You can't read it just once and, you know, you got it. 10 years. I gave a book to a colleague, a Bible, the book, a couple years ago. He hasn't read it yet. I'm praying for him. I'm going to keep praying for him. I love him. But just read the Bible because as I've read the Bible for 49 years, it's so intricate, it's so interwoven, man couldn't have written it. And for me... It's even a greater proof than our Lord being resurrected 2,000 years ago. That's important. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not dismissing that. If, if Christ be not raised, our faith is in vain. But the Word of God, it's the wonder of the Word. And lastly, we have the spoken Word, Psalm 19. You see, Jesus is a creator and we know he created the world. The heavens are telling of the glory of God and the firmament is declaring the work of his hands. And what we see here is, is the written word and the spoken word become his work, his creation, his creative power. And God's work in all of creation, in our lives, is a wonder. Went to the Grand Canyon a number of years ago. 
Wow. Every American should be there once, once in their lives. You guys going? Eventually, you got to get there, yeah. What an experience. And, and I wasn't even going to go down. I, just, I was just going to look, and that was enough. And this young lady said, you ought to walk out there. And, you know, I figured if a young lady can walk out there, an old man can walk out there. So I'm going out there, and I went out there. It was, it was quite the walk, six miles. Every one and a half miles, there was a way station where you could get some water, and that was good. And that walk out to Point Pleasant, beautiful, the Colorado River down below, oh, gorgeous. But it wasn't the walk to that was impressive. It was the walk back and looking and seeing how those mountains were carved, not by some evolutionary process, but I believe by the flood and the impact of all the water that took place during the flood and unbelievable, just, just in awe the wonder of God's creation. You and I need to be astounded at that every time I see Mount Washington, especially with snow on it. Just so impressive. God's creation, uh, also his redemption. Psalm 49, verses 7 through 9. And again, this is the gospel right in the Psalms. No man can by any means redeem his brother or give to God a ransom for him, for the redemption of his soul is costly, and he should cease trying forever, that he should live on eternally, that he should not see the pit. Yes, the redemption of his life is costly, and we have that in Psalm 22, don't we, reveal, where uh, David writes these words, predicting crucifixion a thousand years before it's even invented. My, my tongue cleaves to my jaw. I feel all my bones. These are what Jesus experienced, right? That's costly. People were dividing clothing amidst them. So he said, calls them dogs, David calls them. That's the Gentiles, the Romans. The gospel in the Psalms, Psalm 32, how blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, David said, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. And Paul quotes that in Romans 4. Fanny Crosby put it this way, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. What a beautiful picture of God's redeeming power as revealed in the Psalms. And the last part of, of God's work that I want to talk about is restoration. God restores us. Catherine, thank you for the cross singing that. That's one of my favorite songs of Broken 51, and I love it and weep every time I hear it. And it, 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 I've got a couple new songs. The Blessing and Waymaker are my favorite for couple months ago, but now I'm on to two more. Who am I? The new Who Am I by Need to Breathe. And the bridge goes like this. The way I push you through it, I'm a train wreck. I'm a mess. You see the best and worst in me. I still can't imagine that I've gained your trust. I don't understand where your love comes. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? To be loved by you. 
ah, just listen to that song. It'll bless the socks off you. It's just, it's just a blessing to me. God restores us. And David went through this after sinning greatly. He had committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had uh, had her husband killed. And for a couple years, he just kind of meandered in his sin. And finally, remember the story, if you know it, Nathan came to him, said this, this little sheep was taken by this person away from a poor person and given to another person. And David said, kill the guy. And Nathan said, you are the man. And David shook, and he wrote this psalm in response. Have mercy on God according to your steadfast love. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out all my transgressions. And he, he says, against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done what is evil. In thy sight, when we sin, we have to remember that. Even if we sin against another person, we're sinning against God. But God wants to restore us. Need to breathe. There are five guys that write, wrote the song, so I don't know which one wrote this line. But I don't understand where your love comes from. And I want to change those words because I do. Don't you? We understand where his love comes from. God is love. He wants to restore us. He wants to renew us back into his image. That's his purpose. And if you read the Psalms, you'll find out the purpose for your life to be restored. There is no better feeling than feeling clean. Right? I'm not going to get off on an analogy of showers and baths and all the rest. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in your soul, when you sin and you let, let it linger and it lingers long and you just feel, you can't even serve. Like somebody asks you to serve, yeah, I guess I'll serve. Oh, it's so good when you serve and you're clean. And that's what God wants to do. Be made clean. Pray this prayer that David prayed. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And then verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. That's God's plan for us. Cleansing. It's the upside-down kingdom, right? Mike, Tim, I, we all talk about it. When you're down, you're really up. He who is last in the kingdom is first. And that's the way God planned it. Restoration is just that. A broken and a contrite spirit. Have you experienced that lately? You need to. Almost on a daily basis. Where we come and bow before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. When we carry sin, it's a great burden. When we're freed from it, oh. And that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about clean. The wonder of God's works. I don't know if you wonder about that, that, that he would work in me. Philippians 2 says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work after his good pleasure. Can you imagine the God of the universe who made the Grand Canyon Mount Washington, Mount Katahdin, Mount Everest, all the rivers, all the oceans. 
works in little me. I'm, not, I'm like nothing. I'm just a little social studies teacher in Podunk, Maine, you know? But God, the God of the universe, desires my sanctification, desires my restoration, desires that I be made into the image of him. Ha, that's a wonder. That's a wonder. All right, I got to move on. Last point, the wonder of worship. How is it that we sinful, flawed, feeble people could ever worship a holy and infinite God, the God of the heavens who made all the earth? The earth is his and all the fullness thereof. He made it possible through Jesus Christ. I'm going to look at a psalm that's kind of a strange psalm for this point, Psalm 73. And I can't take it apart and put it back together again, but the beginning is, is surely God is good to Israel to those who are pure in heart. So the psalmist starts out well, and then he starts complaining. And he says, ah, these rich people, you know, they're rich. They're succeeding. They never die, it seems. They, they, they get everything. And me, I keep in myself pure and I have nothing. And the psalmist breaks down and he goes down this road that's not very good. And then he realizes, if I had said this, I will speak thus. Behold, I should have betrayed the generation of thy children. In other words, I better stop my complaining. Uh, because I'm going down a road I shouldn't be going because other people will be affected by it. Behold, I, uh, when I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight until I came into the sanctuary of God. He came into the holy place and he realized his thinking was wrong. And I'm going to jump to verse 25. Listen to what the psalmist says. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And besides thee, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from thee will perish. Thou hast destroyed all those who are unfaithful to thee. Now listen. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. Can you say that this morning? The nearness of God is my good. I've been out hunting Almost every day, it seems. All I've seen is tails. Frustrating and all the rest. And yet beautiful to see those deer and just. But my life isn't in hunting. My life is in my Lord. The nearness of God is my good. You have to come a ways to be able to say with the psalmist here, the nearness of God is my good. Sometimes it takes a lifetime to get there. But that's what worship is. God is near, and I'm going to respond to him. There's another song I'm, I'm really, uh, I really like, Graves the Gardens. You guys like that song? Some of you don't know about it, but it's a, listen to it. There is nothing, there is nothing more than you. I'm misquoting the song, but there's nothing. There's nothing. You see, the Psalms are here 
but psalms are being written every year. We sing one, bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name, written by Matt Redman. And God writes psalms continually, not inspired, but certainly motivated by him. And you can respond to God through those songs also. I'm just going to read one more verse and tie things up right now. One of the most astounding passages in all the New Testament, one of the amazing things that Jesus said was related to worship. And it was interesting because he was trying to lead a lady to Christ while he was talking. John 4, woman at the well. And she actually got him off onto this, uh, this bunny trail. And he says this, An hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship is both a wonder and it's wonderful. How could we... Human beings, sin and flawed, worship the God of the universe. Well, we don't realize it, but all we are doing when we worship is joining the heavenly choir, the heavenly chorus as they worship God, because they're worshiping God in heaven. All the angels and all the saints, they're already singing, holy, 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 the Lord God almighty reigns. Read the book of Revelation with a different slant sometime. And you'll see it's a book of worship, worship scenarios, chapter after chapter after chapter. I encourage you to read the Psalms. If you read one Psalm a day, you can read the Psalms twice in a year. If you don't have a plan, good plan. You'll see the wonder of God revealed. You'll see yourself clearly because the Psalms speak honestly of our humanity and our sinfulness. You'll see your needs and your wants and your weaknesses, and he will restore your soul. You will find his purpose in your life, the purpose for your life, and his kingdom will come, and his will will be done. Father, as we sing this song, we know you are the only one worthy of praise. Accept our praise this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, that's why we have done all that we have done, right, as a church over the last 17 years, is because Jesus Christ is worthy. He's the Lamb. He's the one who paid the price so that we could have life, so that we could offer hope to a world that struggles with the idea of hope so that we could have a foundation that is way beyond us. And over the last five or six weeks, we've talked about being rooted, about being grounded as a church. And we've talked about the fact that it's not about just finances. It's about us in our spiritual life being rooted and being founded in the person of Jesus Christ and honoring him for who he is and what he's done for us. And as a church, we want to continue to do that. 
And part of the way that we're doing that is by establishing a footprint, a place, and having a place that's been very uh, apparent to us, especially over the last year, of not having a place. And so we've gone into the Rooted campaign and asked you as a church body to make a commitment over the, last, over the next two years to give uh, toward an established place for us. And up to this point, we've had 50 commitments that have come in, totaling $442,000 up to this point, and, which is great. It's a great start. It's, we're aiming for the 650, and we're asking God to keep seeing us go that direction over the next two years. Um, and today, we have kind of pushed today as a Big Give Sunday, which is a chance for us to give just uh, a portion of money that maybe we've saved up, or maybe it's a special uh, thing that we have that we wanted to give. Uh, and so today was that day, and I just want to remind all the, those of you that are watching online or listening or uh, in the live stream or wherever, those folks here, that today was that day that we wanted to do that. And if you've prepared for that, and that's part of your worship to God is the ability to give and give in a larger chunk, we ask you to remember to do that today. However you give, whether you give online or in our box or through the mail, whichever way that you do that, and I have found out that it happens in all forms, um, and we're very happy about that. But we want to make that gift. We want to give that gift. And that's kind of the start of our Rooted campaign and, and all of those commitments. It's the start toward our regular giving uh, toward that Rooted campaign. And so if you're doing that this morning or today or however you do, if you're doing it online, would you make sure that you have Rooted written on that or the building written on that so that, that the folks that look after that know where that money is going? And uh, we're going to try to do that together. But what I'd like to do this morning... I'd like for us just to stand, and I want to have a prayer of commitment as a church body. We've spent the last five, six weeks talking through what it means to be rooted. And a lot of folks in our body have committed themselves to, to asking God how he wants to do that through them. And I want to corporately just stand, and if you're at home watching, would you just even stand where you are? And would you pray with us as we make that commitment together as we give those offerings, as we look at the next two years of honoring God with our giving and asking God how he wants to establish Mossbrook Church here. So would you stand as we pray this morning? Father, thank you so much for, first of all, your son, Jesus Christ. Thanks for the reminder that time gave us this morning from the book of Psalms of just how wonderful, how amazing you are how much you love us, how much you care for us, how the moment that sin took us away from a relationship with you, you have worked to restore us and to draw us back to yourself. Thank you for that. Thank you for the love of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the work of the Spirit in our hearts and our lives. Thank you for the fact that you are growing your church. That's your promise. You said that you would build your church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Thank you that here at Mossbrook, here in the Oxford Hills, you have a plan for this church. You want us to continue to make a difference in this community for Jesus Christ. You want us to paint a picture of the love of God, the love of Christ in this community. And you want to use us to do that. You want us to be one of the avenues by which Christ is seen and known in the Oxford Hills. And so God, thank you for these folks who have made a commitment to follow you, to give, 
to give generously, to, to even to make sacrifice, to make sure that they would be able to give as we establish the, the, the roots and the footprint of this church, this body. God, would you help us to be faithful in the way that we honor our commitments? Thank you for the gifts that will be given today. Father, would you bless those and use those? Thank you for the heart of your people and the generosity of your people. Even over this last summer of difficulty, thank you for the generosity. Father, would you use us as a body to build the kingdom of God, to be part of introducing folks to the love of Jesus Christ. Help us to be found faithful in all that we do. We'll praise you for what you do in our hearts and our lives. Thank you for how you've provided. In your name we pray. Amen. Band's going to lead us in one more song as we close this morning.